morning. I don't know about you, but I'm a little done, undone. What was that word, Dave? Blasted? Blast? I feel a little bit, um, I think I've just been reminded afresh that Jesus is real. He is alive and very well indeed. He is not fading. He is not weakening. He is not tired. He is not weary. He is all in. He is all there. The same Jesus. Same Jesus. I am. I, I still, I still haven't gotten to the bottom of the goodness of Jesus. Like I, I, like I kind of hang out a bit with Jesus and I feel like I know him. And then I, there's a whole new element to him. Or like a diamond, there's another turn to Jesus or another death. I, so I've been following Jesus over 20 years now. But it sometimes feels like two minutes. Because it just, at times, just feels new and fresh. Yeah. You know, the thing about Jesus is, I love how he can meet a thousand different people in a thousand different ways. Like, he is not cookie-cutter type Jesus, you know? Like, he leads the way in in contextualization, like he meets us exactly where we are in, to such a point that that's one of his names. Like the name God, the incarnational God, the God who is there, the God who is with us, the God who is beside us, the God who is around us, before us, underneath us, over us, and also the God who is within us. It's not the distant God. And one of my favorite things about Jesus, when I look at the Gospels and I read the stories, is what happened around the table. So there's endless possibilities, endless possibilities of what can happen around the table when Jesus is the host. Oh, like the possibilities are endless. What can happen around the table When Jesus is the host. And I nearly did the split stare. (laughs) That could be memorable. (laughs) See, when Jesus has people around the table, like some of my favorite stories are when he... I always know it's a good story when the religious ones are upset. (laughs) And there's this story about um, a religious man called Simon... And he, he's religious through and through. And he has a, a religious meal and he invites Jesus to come to the religious meal. The food even tastes religious. Re, re, like it, the air is religious. The, the culture is religious. And Jesus is not afraid of entering that context because he knows who he is. He knew who his father is. He's good. And he steps into that situation and brings another culture. And is this situation, well, in fact, let me me read it to you because I don't want to miss this. This is one of my favorite stories. It is ridiculously scandalous. Ridiculously scandalous. If we understood the full context 
of the how religious the context was and how this woman who's involved in the story, what she was known for, like scandals all over this. All the tabloids would be on this. It says this, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus over for a meal. And you read the Bible and Jesus loves to eat. (laughs) He loves to drink. Jesus loves to eat and drink to such an extent that the religious people and others made fun of him. And also, some disqualified him because of how much he enjoyed eating with people. Um, Kaz has got this beautiful page on the infographic Bible, which is a stunning mm-hmm thing. And it's just this beautiful thing of how Jesus spent his time. And it's like 22% of the time in the temple, and the rest of the time not <laughs> in the temple. And there's a beautiful infographic about the breaking down of how much time he spent with people and how much time he spent on the street in a meal with people like me and you. One of the Pharisees asked him over for a meal. He went to the Pharisee's house and sat down at the dinner table. Just then, a woman of the village, the town harlot. I don't know if the town was named after her or she was named after the town. But it's no mistake that the Bible tells us the town she was from. Having learned that Jesus was a guest in the home of a Pharisee, she came with a bottle of very expensive perfume and stood at his feet, weeping, raining tears on his feet. Letting down her hair, she dried his feet, kissed them, and anointed them with perfume. When the Pharisees who invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man is a prophet, I thought he was. He he would have known what kind of woman this is who's falling all over him. You can nearly taste the disdain in his voice. Jesus said to him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Oh, tell me. Jesus goes on. Two men were in debt to a banker. One owed 500 silver pieces, the other 50. Neither of them could pay up. So the banker cancelled both debts. Which of the two would be more grateful? Simon answered, "Mm, I suppose the one who was forgiven the most. That's right. Um, Nobody quite asks a question like Jesus. I don't think Jesus 
asks most of his questions because he doesn't know the answer. <laughs> I think he asks the questions to help unlock something in here and in here. And you know what's interesting? Um, because Jesus was securing who he is, knowing that he's loved, nothing to prove, he could ask questions. People who don't ask questions are often, not always, but sometimes a bit insecure. But Jesus was okay not knowing the answers. And he's okay to ask the questions because he knew he wanted to unlock something more significant. So if you're around a table and you're not sure what to say, follow Jesus. Ask a question. If you don't know what to say, follow Jesus and ask a question. It says this. Simon answers, I suppose the one who was forgiven the most. That's right, said Jesus. Then turning to the woman, but speaking to Simon. Oh, I love that. Turning to the woman. This is the woman who was known in the town for all the wrong reasons. We don't know this for sure, but the reaction of some of the religious leaders in this room, I wonder, and it's only a wonder, but I wonder if some of those guys knew her for the wrong reasons. And that's why they were really, really annoyed that she dare enter that religious space. So listen to this. And hear this afresh. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. Like Jesus. If you want to know what God's like, we look to Jesus. Any question is, does God like me? Is he interested in me? God says, look to my boy. Look to my son Jesus. Listen to what he says. So if you're here wondering, is, is anybody out there for me? Is there anybody, does anybody know me? Does anybody want to know me? Am I loved? Am I wanted? Is there a meaning and a purpose to my life? Listen to this. Because there is a God who loves you and his name is Jesus. And how does he treat you? How does he treat me? How does he treat this woman? Look. Mm, I can taste this. It's so good. That's right, said Jesus. Then turning to the woman, but speaking to Simon, he said, Do you see this woman? I came to your home. You provided no water for my feet, but she rained tears on my feet and dried them with her hair. You gave me no greeting, but from the time I arrived, she hasn't quit kissing my feet. You provided nothing for freshening me up. But she has soothed my feet with perfume. Impressive, isn't it? She was forgiven many, many sins. And so she is very, very grateful. If the forgiveness is minimal, the gratitude is minimal. 
Then he spoke to her. And remember, he's looking at her all the time. Then he speaks. He looks at her and he speaks into her heart, speaks into her soul, speaks to the whole person and says this. I forgive your sins. That dinner, sorry, (laughs) that set the dinner guests talking behind his back. Could you imagine the religious talk in that moment? Who does he think he is forgiving sins? And in verse 50, he ignored them and said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Here's the thing for me. I am so, so, so grateful that the seating plan where Jesus is a host was left to the Holy Spirit and not to religion. Because I would not have got a seat at the table. So that woman with the questionable character, that's my story. Early 20s, um, uh, you know, I kind of sometimes wish I was a bank robber or something. Uh, and I do actually have a plan for it. I do majority of it in motorbikes was just in, out, quick. Um, probably shouldn't have mentioned that. I, I mean, I haven't, I haven't like got a plan. I haven't written anything down. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why Rhoda just left at that moment. But anyways, she's part of it. She's a decoy. Um, the reason I say I kind of wish I was a bank robber, see, the reality is uh, my life was marked by out-of-control lust. Yeah, see, it's not as cool as bank robbery, eh? Um, but you know, Jesus, he, he saw past that and he said, Andy, come. Come to me. Come to me. There's a seat at the table for you, Andy. Because this is not who you are. I have a purpose for you. There's a call on your life. And I want to use you in my kingdom. (laughs) Like little donkey, little donkey. See, the other story I wanted to refer to is Zacchaeus. And the story of Zacchaeus is annoyingly, frustratingly, often limited and restricted to the kids. And I've, I was pondering that, and I was asking Jesus, why is that? Why is that? And I felt Jesus say, because the kingdom belongs to the kids. Because they get it. They get it quick. And the beautiful thing about Zacchaeus is this. There was a hunger in him to meet and encounter Jesus. And if that hunger was only this big, it was matched by heaven's hunger to meet 
as well. So we have this picture of Jesus around the table and this woman comes to him and he welcomes her there. And it's other time where Zacchaeus is up a tree wanting to encounter Jesus. And Jesus says, Zacchaeus, I want to come to your house. I want to sit around your table. And the table for Zacchaeus was a significant part of who he was. For this table that Zacchaeus has was a tax collector, the chief of tax collectors. So his table was a place of thievery in front of everybody, of greed, of selfishness. And it's Jesus who says, I'm not afraid of dirt. I'm not afraid of muck. I'm not afraid of that. I want to come around your table, Zacchaeus. Because Zacchaeus, this is not who you are. There's another story for you, Zacchaeus. And of course, Zacchaeus in this moment opens his heart. Jesus comes in and the story shifts and change to such an extent, to such an extent where the one thing that Zacchaeus was known for of being a thief and tight-fisted and money grabber, he then becomes the man who is generous. Because Jesus is the one who rewrites the story. And God is wanting to rewrite the story of this city. And he's doing it through Muppets like me. And dare I say, Muppets like you. You feel my love when I say that, don't you? Because the reality is we're all a bit broken. We're all a bit messed up. And we don't always get it right. And Jesus says, I know, but I do. And I'm sure there's a more efficient way to the kingdom to come than using the likes of us. But I don't know what it is. And God says, I'm going to use my church, my people, my body to demonstrate beauty and glory. And the more broken we are, the more fractured you feel, then the more his goodness will be seen through you. So we could have 10, 20, 30 people come up and now and say, I was broken and Jesus has done something in my life and now I have a voice to speak. Statistically, Kaz, you should never have written that book. You should never have designed that because of your story. Dave, you should never be singing. But Jesus says, no, you've got a voice. And I can say that about every, every, every single one of us. But God is a God who is rewriting the story and he wants to involve you in every single page and every single sentence. So it's no mistake that you're here. And the beautiful thing about the table, and we, we talk about that, yeah, we started this church seven years ago. To be honest, we just set the table. And all we do is stay by the table. We just like, Rhoda... Andy, get the extension. Get the emergency chairs. I know, we need more chairs. And you know, when we used to have, at the start, we used to have, on the last Sunday of every month, we used to have the big old barbecue. And everybody would get fed. And these people today, he said, you don't know, but that burger saved my life. We lost something and we gained something 
when we said, let's do it in our homes. We want to reclaim. And like Zacchaeus' table was reclaimed and redeemed, we want to reclaim your table. And the table in our home. Because the possibilities are endless. What can happen around the table when Jesus is the host? So first and foremost, you are welcome around the table. There is a seat for you. And as we take our seat, as we gaze into Jesus' eyes, and he does something in us, we instantly then realize, hold on, I need to make room for one more. I need to make room for one more. I don't know why I'm, I'm, I'm looking. I'm, 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 yeah. Can I tell you one of the most significant stories I heard in my life that has really shaped me and I think has in some ways influenced Carl Vineyard as well? It's a, it's a story about a guy called Tony Campolo. And I'll, 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 I probably won't tell it correctly, but you'll hopefully hear the heart of it. So Tony Campolo, um, beautiful-hearted man, uh, a Christian guy who believed when Jesus said love people, he, he would love people. Anyways, one night, this is years ago, one night... He's um, speaking at this conference place in America. The times are all messed up. And he goes to this um, bar place underneath his hotel. And he doesn't quite realize what sort of bar it is until he's in there. And there's lots of interesting characters are in there. He's having some food. And he's at the bar. And he, and he overhears a story of a lady who, um, I guess you could say she's from the town called Harlot. And, and she comes in, and there's a real sadness with her heart and her face to such an extent that Tony asks a question. And he realizes that it's her birthday. And she's working on the street on her birthday. Anyway, she gets something to eat, and she goes back out to earn more money. And Tony, moved by the Holy Spirit, comes across an idea. And he says, let's throw a party. Let's throw a party for this daughter, for this sister. And I don't know how he does it, but he motivates the bar, gets everybody motivated. Somebody goes to find a cake at the middle of the night. Somebody gets some candles. Somebody gets some party food. And it all comes together. And this lady, after the next shift, steps into the bar and they sing happy birthday and they honor her and they bless her. And this woman, as you can imagine, is just wrecked by this. And she said, who did this? Who did this? Who throws a party for somebody like me? And Tony says, the church of Jesus Christ 
throws a party for you. Why don't we stand? Why don't we stand? So today's been a different day. Some of us were in the middle of flack. And I want to let you know, as you step back from the battle and you look from the top of the mountain, you need to know that the enemy is not going to win. There is a God who will always have the last say. Now, there's somebody in the room who has a fear of flying. You might feel this is not connected at all. But this is part of that thing of sitting around the table with Jesus. You're never quite sure where it's going to go. So we're amongst family and friends. Uh, just quick raise of hand. No pressure. Who has a fear of flying? Rachel, is there anybody else who has a fear of flying? And Josh. So Josh and Rachel. Sorry, I don't know your name. Jess. Uh, is there anybody else has a fear of flying? Oh, yes. It's Ricky's mum, everyone. Oh. You had a fear of flying, but you still flew over on the smallest plane to come and see your, your boy. Yes. Well, listen, there's about four or five people there, so why don't you just put your hand on your heart? And, and for those, would you gather around that? Yes. Thank you, Rhoda. I love being part of her family and the team. So just gather around them. And if you, oh, somebody needs to pray for Josh at the back as well. So what we're going to do, you're going to pray for them. So you pray your own way. Oh, we're just going to pray. Come Holy Spirit. Do you pray? Come Holy Spirit. The Father's highlighted some people have got a fear of flying. Speak to somebody, he speaks to somebody about that. They highlight it. Not to embarrass, not to shame. But not, so that fear is no longer. So we speak to all fear to go. And peace to come. And as you're praying for them, you might have some words or pictures for them. So just pray your very best prayer. And whilst they're praying for our friends there, I have a sense that there's some physical pain that God wants to meet as well. I think some eyes... Um, if, I don't know if it's short-sighted or long-sighted, but if you have any issues at all with your eyes, uh, why don't you just, and even if you wear glasses, why don't you just put your hand over your eyes? We say, come Holy Spirit. We know Jesus, you heal eyes. So we speak new eyes today. Speak 2020 vision. We declare 2020 vision. Yeah, pray against fear of bailiffs and pray heavenly solution.
Yeah, so Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. You are welcome here. So Father God, we say again and we declare again, we are all in on this adventure. And we say, we have just got grateful hearts that you invited us around the table. And here's the last thing I'm going to do. If you have a sense, if you have a feeling that you want to come and sit with Jesus, perhaps for the first time, to receive forgiveness, to receive grace for the first time. Is there anybody in the room that God has been speaking to about for the first time to come and sit at the table with Jesus? And here's the last thing I'd love for us to do. A little tiny cheeky prayer. And it's this. God, you've called me to your table. Who are you now asking me to invite around the table? And God, would you give us your heart for people in this city, in this region, wherever we're from. In Jesus' name, amen.